Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Cop and police stuff is huge for little boys. What age am I going to tell him, like, cops aren't always the, you know, it's to his mind, it's like cops are the good guys and the bad guys go to jail. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> he is at a great age to introduce that to him, right? And you could talk about the role of police officers. They are supposed to serve and protect. And because of the history of our country, because of things going on that's, you know, unfair, sometimes the police officer thinks somebody's a bad guy just because of the color of their skin. We have to nuance it for our children so that they don't always say cops are the good guy. You know, somebody else is the bad guy. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. I'm so stoked about today's episode. It is continuing our much-needed work that we began to get into in last seasons of Katie's Crib. I have the one and only Dr. Tracy Baxley here today, and we are talking about social justice parenting and this incredible book she wrote that everyone needs to run, not walk, to go get. If you are a white mama, if you are a mama of color, if you are a caretaker in any way, I mean, this book just lays it out for us, like lays out how to have conversations about race and how we can hopefully help our kids' generation to just do and be better (laughs) than mine and my parents before and their parents before them. Dr. Tracy Baxley is a professor, consultant, parenting coach, speaker 
and mother to five biracial children. Five children! She's also the creator of Social Justice Parenting and author of Social Justice Parenting, How to Raise Compassionate, Anti-Racist, Justice-Minded Kids in an Unjust World. Dr. Baxley has been an educator for over 30 years with degrees in child development, elementary education, curriculum, and instruction. She specializes in diversity and inclusion, anti-bias curriculum, and social justice education. Thank you so much for coming on Katie's Crib. Dr. Baxley, thank you for changing the world. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and to our listeners. You all, Katie's Cribbers, who listen, know that I always have specialists, guests, experts on my show to selfishly make me a better parent. And here's one of those examples. (laughs) So thank you for coming on. Can you tell us, Dr. Baxley, why did you write this book? What in your personal experience made you write this book? I think it's been a culmination of life experiences. But there was one in particular incident in my life as a mom where my son, who was having anxiety and really in a place of irrational thinking, he had just been recently diagnosed with OCD, and he left the house in that state. And all of the things that I thought I had taught my kids about staying safe, about the world, about racism, about their skin, all those things, it all came crashing down on me. Like, did I do enough? Is me teaching him this enough to keep him safe? And at that moment, I wasn't sure that me doing that was enough. And it was kind of the turning point. I really believe in this idea of a village and what do I need to do to make sure there's a village around my children and how I can be a village for other people's children. I have such goosebumps. There's a part in your book where you talk about, it's not just my child. Your children are kept safer by helping other children know about our world and and other parents how do we speak about race to our children? All of this affects our children personally, which is great. But really what's great is it, it, it helps the larger collective of children. It just became such a community effort. Yeah, because here I am, like, in this paralyzing fear on the floor in my bedroom. And my kid is now running around in my predominantly white neighborhood. And I am freaking out about is he safe? Did I talk to my enough of my neighbors? Do I know enough of my neighbors to know this is my kid? All those thoughts, you know, that you thought you've kind of protected them from or that you have prepared them for, it all came crashing down. Mm. We are misaligned if we think that we are just raising our own kid. You know, I believe in that idea of parenting as activism, you know, the things that we do inside our homes, they're going to show up in public spaces one way or another. And so the question is, how do we want our kids to show up in the world and how we want the world to show up for them? I love this. And how, help us, help us, help me. Ah, okay. (laughs) What is radical love? Yeah. Radical love is this notion that we are loving beyond the people that are in our circles, right? It's about this idea of really showing up for people in a way that makes you uncomfortable, right? It's focusing on looking at perspectives, actively listening to other people. It's about seeing the humanity in all of us and let that be the starting space 
for how we build relationships. Mm. And often we, we have limits around our love, right? Or we have check boxes around our love, but radical love is about me loving your kids the way I love mine, right? Me showing up for them every day, things that I do, the things that I teach my children. I'm doing that with the thought of how it's going to impact your children. Yes, we are all responsible as a collective. I'm hoping that through this work on Katie's Crib and your book and others like us, our children and our children's children will be in a better, more radical love place. Part of the book really is talking about how we help our kids to self-advocate. Right. It's our job to model for them how to use big emotions in ways that make sense in the social context. In your book, you state this word rocks. Reflection, open dialogue, compassion, kindness, social justice engagement are qualities in what you were talking about, a pro-justice home. Can you tell us a little bit about rocks and where this like came from? Yeah, um, I don't know where it came from. Like, <laughs> just kind of put it together, right? I'm like, these are all the things that I want to do to make sure my kids are doing for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing our family and we're going to do it in, in the community. It's those three kind of lenses in which we need to practice. How are we doing it for ourselves? How are we doing it in our family and teaching our kids? And then how our family is going out into the world to teach it. So they're, they're kind of like the building blocks of social justice parenting. I think a lot of people, first of all, they get freaked out by the social justice, right? We're, we're trying to make the word social justice something that it's not. It's not this thing that we have to be on one side or another about. It's not something that we should use to weaponize in any way. It's just about basic human rights. We want everybody to have the opportunity mm-hmm. that they need to have the best life, right? That's what social justice is about, giving people the basic needs that they need so that they can put themselves in the best position possible. Nothing should be controversial about that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And Yeah. So the rocks are really the building blocks on which social justice parenting is built. It's about this idea of reflecting on our own shit, really, yeah. right? the things that we, we are coming to parenting with, being able to separate what's great about it and what we need to get rid of it right? in, yeah. our, in our parenting. The O is for open dialogue. And this is like real conversations you have to have with yourself about being honest of where you are in your parenting, where you are in your biases and your stereotypes or all the things that you hold. Yep. And then how we have these hard conversations with our children, often messy. Sometimes we don't know how, but we have to have them. It's the only way to get through it and to change the way we all show up. And then the C and the K are compassion and kindness, which go together, right? The compassion is the feeling. The kindness is the action. Mm -hmm. How are we showing that for ourselves, right? That's my heart part. The self-compassion is something that I'm working on every single day. That's the hardest for me. Um, So our kids need to see us doing that for ourselves. We need to be showing up for our kids when they make mistakes. You know, are they forgiven immediately? Do we hold grudges with our kids? You know, we have to think about how we are aligning what we do with the values that we're trying to teach our kids. And then the kindness are the little things that we're building habits around where kindness becomes normalized in our homes. And then the S is social engagement. So how do we see these things going on in the world? Whatever those things are for your family that are most important, could be an environment, it could be homelessness, whatever that thing is. For me, obviously, it's it's about Racial justice is part of it. And how do we teach our kids to care outside of our home enough 
to want to make change. Yeah. How do you get them to be proactive? That's what we need. We need proactive behavior. We were so lucky on Katie's Crib to have Dr. Lee Beverly Tatum on the show. And she said, we're all just walking on this, like one of those magic carpets at an airport. Yeah, the conveyor belt thing. The conveyor belt. And so we're all just walking on this conveyor belt. And if even if you're standing still, you're still moving in a racist world. And unless you walk in the opposite direction of the conveyor belt, that's being proactive. That's being anti-racist. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, okay, I got to teach my kids like, that's right. How are you active in your community? How do you actively seek change? And that doesn't have to be necessary. It's how it is authentic to you, but it needs to happen. You talk about this open dialogue. What would be dialogue you would recommend children use in these hard and unexpected uh, situations? For example, you have an experience at an eight-week boot camp fitness class before you had kids. Can you tell us some helpful ways a child could have responded? Yeah, yeah. So the the, the moral of the story is the, the director's child said the N-word. And my girlfriend and I were the only Black people in the boot camp that we had been in for eight weeks. And we thought we were all like family. And at that moment, nobody stood up for us, right? We just felt like, what the heck, you know? We, we had no allies at that moment and we, we were caught off guard. But sometimes the allyship doesn't have to be anything big, right? If somebody had just touched me on the shoulder to say that I felt that I wasn't invisible, right? That, that their presence was, was there. Mm-hmm. Kids can say, I don't like the way that feels for me or I, I'm standing with you. It's not a big yep. gesture. Yep. In that moment, people need to feel seen and they need to feel protected in, in a certain sense, right? That supported. And um, sometimes it's just a touch. Sometimes it's just moving near. So we could teach our kids to just stand next to the person who is being marginalized in some way. And, and, and sometimes that silence of just standing next to them is, is enough. I, I'm a big proponent in role playing. I, I think Huge. we have Huge. to say, what if this happens? What are some things that we can do that align with our core values of our, in our home that stand up for other people? Because that's something that's really important to us. What if your friend says this about somebody else? Let's name three things that we can do if this ever happened. What if that happens to you? What can you say back? This way, when the kids are in those situations, they don't have to think or be caught off guard because in the back of their minds, in they've their back practiced. pockets, they've practiced it. So it will automatically, it will become automatic after a while because they will already have these things ready, rehearsed and ready to use. I mean, they'll be looking for situations to use it, right? Yeah. Because they practice them so much. Also, it's important that your kids see you doing the same thing. So when you see things that aren't right, you should be having those conversations with your children about it, even when you don't stand up and you can say, you know what, I want to talk about what happened yesterday. Remember when we heard that lady um, say something negative about the other man in line? I really wanted to say something, but I was, I was afraid. That is not the way I want to show up the next time. So the next time that happens, here are some things that I think I'm going to do differently. So they know that sometimes fear will get in the way, 
but we're coming up with ideas to do when when fear takes over and we really want to show up in a different person. Mm. As as far as a a parent is concerned of how to address being an ally, um, I think it's even harder for us as parents because we have lived a life where we haven't done it, where our kids are younger and it may be easier for them to pick up. And what I find often is that as a parent who's learning to walk and do the work, um, you, you may not get it right the first time, right? But I think it's really important to know if, for instance, in that moment at the boot camp, when no other parent, no other adult stood up for me, it would have been okay for them to circle back around, you know, the next day after thinking about it or the next week and say, you know what, I I didn't show up the way I felt so bad. I felt paralyzed in the moment and I didn't know what to do. Because when you say that you were paralyzed in the moment, but you're still thinking about it and it bothered you, that is letting me know that you're open to learning and growing, right? And then we can have conversations about what it, what I needed in that moment. And really what I needed in that moment is the same thing I would tell my kid to do, right? Stand, stand next to, stand with, um, say that that bothers me. I don't feel good using that word or hearing that word that way or looking at me and saying, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened. You don't have to have the answers of what to do next, but you can just say, I'm sorry that that happened to you. But I think circling back to have the conversation is really important. That's so good. Yeah. Like not the worst is just pretending this shit isn't happening or doesn't happen. That's just like, yeah. And, and we don't like, you know, we don't always make the right choices in the moment, but you no. have to be, you have to be big about that enough to say, shit, I screwed up. I, sh- I, I should have, I could have, I'm trying to teach my kids to do that. Um, let me at least go back and, and, and say something to the person. And sometimes too, you have to go back to the person who said it and say, listen, and maybe you want to do it one-on-one. I don't know. When you said that to, to Tracy, it was jacked up. I didn't say anything then, but now that I'm re- reviewing all the stuff that we said, so we have to confront the people who said the jacked up thing because maybe they don't realize that it was inappropriate. I try to look at life through this lens of um, assuming good intent, right? Like he didn't mean to offend me. She didn't mean to offend me, but they did. So let me explain to them why it was offensive and in hopes that now they know better, they'll do better next time. I think we make things more complicated than they are. Yes, racism, systemic racism is complicated. But if we can teach our kids these little things in their lives that starts to make small shifts, over time it doesn't seem as big and daunting. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. 
And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Growing up in a household where we, you know, we had this 90s household where we had friends that were all different colors and my parents would never have talked about it. And if you did, it was like, that's not allowed. Like, you don't say the black friend, you know, you just we were like overly washing away any sort of systemic racism like that. As long as we all love each other and are nice to each other, then we're not racist. Right. That's where that's where I'm coming from. Now, that's a huge step forward from where their parents were coming from, which their parents were coming from. Terrible language around people of color, you know, we're not friends with people of color, those sorts Mm -hmm. of things. And now where I'm coming from is this open dialogue naming race. And it's really been such a blessing to have this podcast and to learn. For example, I was at a cafe with my son outside. There was a black man and an Asian man at a table. And my son was like, look, he has black skin. Now, I before two years ago, I would have been I don't know what to do. I'm horrified. Is that bad? Is that good? Why am I freaking out? I don't know why I'm freaking out. Yeah. And thank God for the work we're doing. Like you're talking about small changes. I say, yeah, he does have black skin. He also has this color hair. And she this woman over here has yellow hair and you have pink skin. And look that like I started pointing out the people in the restaurant and how they everyone had different things going on about their appearance and that they were very beautiful and things were different. I feel so fortunate to know that I that that is the right move. Yeah, that's part of the reflection piece. Like, why am I so afraid of this? Where is this coming from? You know, and um, how do I now start to unravel this? And I think You did great. In the pandemic times, especially, I feel like a lot of the younger kids have not had a lot of experiences, truthfully, like being out and about because we were isolated. And a few weeks ago, I'm on a new television show on CBS called How We Roll. And 
because we're all the show is sort of potted up together because we get tested every single day. After rap one day, I said, everyone come over to my yard and let's have like a pizza party. And I let my son stay up late because he was like, holy shit, there are going to be people over. No one ever comes over anymore. (laughs) So they're in the yard. And the first person that walks in is this lovely actor named Taj Maori. His sister, Tia Maori, was actually on the podcast. He's uh, biracial, black and white, and he has very tight, curly black hair. And he walked in, and the first thing my son says is, look, Mom, he has the same kind of hair as the basketball players on television. Okay? So my husband is obsessed with basketball. Basketball's <laughs> on in my house all fucking day, all night. So he said that, and I and loudly, to Taj, and I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. And I said... I don't know whether I'm I don't know whether I should apologize that I don't have a lot of black people in my house in the last two years. I haven't had anyone really in my house. And so he sees black people on television playing basketball. And that's why he's saying that (laughs) Taj was amazing. He thought it was fucking hilarious. He didn't care. But I was trying to like, yes, he has different kind of hair. And some people I see on television also have that same kind of hair. Then. Val walks in, who's my co-star Pete Holmes' wife, and she's incredibly short, like very, very short. She, I'm not, she knows. My son was like, can I play with her? She's a three-year-old. And I said, she's not a three-year-old. He said, but she's so, so, so small. She's not a grown-up. And it became this like whole thing. So talk to me (laughs) about how I should have handled that situation better and what I should have said. (laughs) And I think, too, the the pandemic has made everything... (laughs) Kind of out of sorts, right? We're all trying to figure some things out in the pandemic that we didn't have to figure out before. I don't think that there's anything wrong with what he said. Like, I think it's our baggage. What he's saying is totally okay. And I don't think any adult should have been offended by that. They wouldn't have been offended with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think if we just let go of the fact that it's not coming from us, but it's coming from a kid who is curious and who is trying to figure the world out. I mean, I like to say stuff like, that is such a curious question, right? Mm. I love that you are using the things that you know to try to make sense of something new. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is very smart of you. 100%. And it also, you know, just from a real real perspective, it buys you a couple more minutes to try to figure out what the hell I'm going to say, right? Totally. (laughs) Like, you know, wow, that is a great question. And, um, you know, your curiosity amazes me. And um, I really like that question for a lot of reasons. But let me tell you what I think, you know, and then go on to say what, what you think. And then the thing, the great thing about that is you may get it wrong, but your kids will always be open to you come back and say, hey, listen, last week when you asked me about Miss Val thinking she was a kid, um, I don't know if I gave you the right answer. Tell me what you heard me say. Right. So then you get to fill out what what they're thinking and what they got and where the gaps are. Mm -hmm. If you ask me that again today, this is what I would say, Mm. because I had a chance to think about it and um, really internalize your curious question. We get to see how much how much of what we've taught them landed and where the gaps still are and what we need to fill in along the way. Developmentally, at that age, kids are categorizing. That's like normal developmentally appropriate behavior. And then we're shutting down them, categorizing and them noticing same and differences. 
then we're, it's really confusing to them because they are doing what they are developmentally are supposed to be doing. And we put all of our adult issues on our kids being naturally curious. Right. And then we don't want to squash that curiosity, you know, because if they say something about race and you shut them down, we are now perpetuating this idea that race is a taboo topic to talk about. Exactly. You name a number of conversation starters that families can use. This is so helpful. This is what I love about your book. These are all big, overwhelming, scary things that, again, like if you're in my situation, you were raised like, we don't talk about this. But what's so great about your book is that you give us actual <laughs> like things to do, who I'm such an overachiever. I'm like, yes, like this is it. So you name a number of conversation starters that families can use. It's in chapter three, people, where parents, parents are having social justice conversations with our friend, with their kids. Can you walk us through your favorite? Yes. And, and let me say this, too. It doesn't have to be like a very formal setting. Right. right? No. Right. It should be like whatever. We do it in the car. A lot of times we do the um, putting different hard topics and easy topics in a jar during dinner. We pull them out. Whoa, that's so good. Yeah. So there's light questions sometimes that we can laugh about. And then some of them are heavier that we need to, to unpack too. Finding ways that make sense for your family is something that you should think about. And it doesn't have to be this hard. It's now it's time to talk kind of conversations. Right. We keep hearing this on Katie's Crib all the time that it's not one 100 minute conversation. It's 100 one-minute conversations. Yes. yes. Okay, so tell us, walk us through three of your favorites. Um, I'm trying to think what, what I wrote in there. I I, I think um, I, I like the questions that are very open-ended. And I also like things that are relevant to what's going on in the world. So I will, especially with my older kids, I will ask them, what are you reading on Twitter these days? Because my big kids, they get their news. <laughs> from Twitter. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so then that opens up the, the conversation to like real news, fake news, what's real happening. And like, how do we drill a little bit deeper in this? You know, and where do we go with that? Mm-hmm. So open-ended questions are really great because you get to see what your kids already know, um, where the gaps are, what's missing mm-hmm. and where you need to drill, where you need mm-hmm. to redirect. As my kids get older, they want to come up with the conversation starters too, which is really cool too. That's so cool. So, you know, like my kids will come up with things like, I know my fourth kid is uh, at that stage where he thinks he can have a girlfriend. And I always say, there's no girlfriends to high school, right? So a lot of his questions that he asks are around, like, what is the appropriate age <laughs> to start liking uh, some a partner? like. Aww. Where, where, where does, where does it state that they 16 is the magic age to like some of the things are around <laughs> the things that he's thinking. So again, you get to know what your kids are thinking because if they come up with their own questions, it's something that is on their minds, on their minds. a lot. Yeah. And I like this, uh, some examples that go back to what I was saying with Albie at the, at the cafe that we were at naming race you know look at your skin and your hair that's an example like I could say to Albie look at your skin and your hair what color is your skin what color is your hair and your friend Caleb has black skin 
and he has black, dark, dark black hair, and it's longer than yours. And I love how beautiful and different they are. How are they different to you? When we get it spelled out like that, it just, you're like, okay, I can do this. Like, I can do this. Rather than thinking like, oh, shit, am I just supposed to sit like before bedtime with a four-year-old and be like, let's talk about race. (laughs) Children's literature is a really great way, too, to start asking these questions, you know, from the point of view of somebody else. Yeah. Huge. You know, cop and police stuff is huge for little boys. I don't know. It's in the television. It's in the shows we watch. It's in Paw Patrol. Someone's dressed Mm -hmm. like a cop. Because I know about the police. I'm very like, what the fuck? Like, this is like, and he's a boy and he's into it. One of the examples you give, which I haven't brought up to him yet, is equity. And you can say things like, we are white. We don't really have to worry that a police officer might hurt us. In Black communities, many people are afraid of the police officers because of the history of being unfairly treated. What age am I going to tell him, like, cops aren't always the, you know, to his mind, it's like cops are the good guys and the bad guys go to jail. My feelings towards police are very complicated. Yeah, I I think (laughs) he is at a great age to introduce that to him, right? So he's dressed like a cop. He has his cop uniform on. And you could talk about the role of police officers. They are supposed to serve and protect. If you're a police officer, how can you serve and protect people? What could you do? Right. They list a lot of things. We can get the bad guy. We can put, you know, sometimes the cops don't always choose the the right bad guy. And because of the history of our country, because of things going on that's, you know, unfair, sometimes the, the police officer thinks somebody's a bad guy just because of the color of their skin, right? So I think him being in that uniform, I don't think there's anything bad with that. I think that we have to nuance it for our children so that they don't always say cops are the good guy, you know, somebody else is the bad guy. But it's kind of an entry point. It is, it's a great entry point. It is a great, yeah. Sometimes, you know, the cop isn't always the good guy and sometimes they are wrong. Sometimes they are wrong. And they unfairly treat uh, someone who might be a criminal but is actually not a criminal, you know, whatever it is. But just starting these critical thinking in his head. Exactly. Like It's so crazy, though. Who is he serving? Who is he protecting? Let's have those conversations. Yeah. Children as change agents. Listen, let's look at history. History is telling us everything we need to know. When you look at the civil rights movement, right? It was the children who got everything started, right? Because the parents were afraid of losing their jobs. They couldn't miss work. They were a little bit afraid. It was when Dr. King sat in that church and all the young people, the sit-ins, all of those things, that is when the change started happening. They see things as things should be just. And they have the energy. That's the other thing. I think a lot of moms and dads and older, they're tired. They're coming at, you know, it's hard. And to have the energy, which we all should, but like kids have the energy to make change be a huge priority in their life, especially if their parents, like you say, are like modeling that behavior. And they don't have that baggage called fear. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. We are thinking about all the things that can go wrong and all the things that could be and protecting and and the kids are like no this is not right we need to make it right 
it is never too early to have challenging conversations about race and racism. Yeah, never. And your book is so helpful with this, but you can talk about social justice issues with children. The script goes from preschool to elementary to preteen and teen years. Like we just gave the example for like a cop for a four-year-old versus that conversation for a white kid who's a teenager, I'm sure, is very different. Right. Getting pulled over for you is a different scenario than getting pulled over if your friend who is black were to get pulled over by a police. Yes, his his parents exactly. are having very different conversations with him than we are with you. And you need yes. to know that. That's really, Katie, a really great point is that white families have to be having those conversations too. too. Like your kid needs to know that the conversation in my house is different and yep. why that is yep. and why we still need to have those conversations. And I think that that gives me hope. Like I, I talk about that idea of active hope in the book. Yes. Because there are days that I feel like I don't want to get out of bed. Like oh. things are so heavy and things are so like we're going backwards in so many ways. But it is that active hope that one person that's following me asked me a question that I helped them get through that situation. One white mom is thinking about my son when she having she's having a conversation with her son. These small little uh, ripples are the things that really kind of keep me moving forward. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. 
we're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. When people say something like, I don't see color, I don't think we can learn this enough. It really needs to be learned. Why is I don't see color offensive? Because it's a lie, first of all. (laughs) It's a lie, right? And your kids know it's a lie. They're like, well, mom, I do see color. I I, I can see it. (laughs) And what it does really, it, it negates everything about systemic racism um, that we know, right? It, what you're saying to me is my experiences, my lived experiences, the injustices that I feel as a Black woman is erased, right? Like it doesn't matter because I don't see any of that. So by not seeing color, you're really saying that you don't see anything about me, any of my struggles that we can really need to work on as a society when you have just made me and my color in, in, invisible. So you're really denying that person their lived experiences when you're saying, I don't see color. We can't work on something that we don't acknowledge that we see. Oh, my God. Come on, guys. Yeah, no, we can't. We're so screwed if we do that. Young children's natural inclination is to take action. This is I'm quoting you. They want to know what they can do to help. So have a list of ideas that your family can do together. Can you give us some examples of how we can be practicing outside our home with our families, social justice actions? Yes. And like I said, you know, your social justice is going to be different from my social justice. Right. When I work with families, the first thing I do is like, do you have core values? Right. What are the core values of your family? Are they written down? Mm. Have you discussed them with your kids to say, this is our um, GPS here, right? These three or four core values are the things that whenever we get off, whenever we don't know what we're doing, whenever we make mistakes, we come back to these core values for them to say, did you answer that from this perspective? Did the thing that you do, how you showed up, does it match with what we say is important to us as a legacy that we're going to leave? So that's a real proactive thing to do in your home, sitting down with your kids, creating core values, writing them on the refrigerator, putting them up on post-it notes. What would some examples of core values be? Okay. So for my family, one of our core values is you are your brother or your sister's keeper. Like whatever goes down with your friends, whatever goes down in the world, whatever goes down with your parents, you got your brother's back. Love that. Love that. So you are your brother's keepers. It's one. Another one in my house is we have little phrases to help them remember, but the other one is own your own junk. So you can't come and tell me what your teacher said to you or what your coach said to you until you tell me from their perspective first. So first you have to say, this is what I did, you know, and then, okay, now let's back up and say whether what they did was appropriate or not. So it's taking responsibility, essentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So own your own junk. So those are the things that you either come up with. I mean, your kid is four, so he could really start being a part of that. What are these core? What is important to our family? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those need to be written down, signed off, 
on their refrigerator, on canvas. So they will always know that, you know what? we I was screaming at you today and that's not part of our core values. I need a minute, right? I need some space and grace. Sure. And then let me figure out how I can come back. You know, that wasn't in alignment with our core values. I'm going to apologize to you. I was hungry. I was angry. I had a deadline mm-hmm. and you were basically the victim. And, I, and I'm apologizing for that. I'm very sorry. But now I want to come back in a, in, in a way that is aligned with our core values. So coming up with core values, I think is the first thing. That way, you know what's important to you so that when you are out in the world, whether it's through activism, through environmental issues, you know, social justice issues. Donating toys, donating books, taking care of kids who are hungry, someone who's homeless. Those are all great ways to start. The thing that's a low, kind of low hanging fruit, that's easy, that you guys, that lights your family up is a great way to start that. And then when they are comfortable doing that, that's when you get to more of the heavier things. What can young children do if they want to participate in movements such as Black Lives Matter movement and other than marching? And toddlers are too young to engage, I think, in the Internet activism, social media aspect of it. But what other ways can they get involved? I think you creating diversity in your household, you normalizing Black excellence and the choices that you make, your doctors, right? Oh, your yeah. um, pediatrician, your dentist, your, your are, are any of these people, people of color or do they all look like you, right? So right. we want those faces to look like the, the society at large, right? Yeah. So I think when they're too young to actually do things, the way you um, establish your household around diversity is really important because the messages that, that you're sending to them is that we're different, but we're equal. It's your responsibility to expose them to diversity and differences and normalize that in their yeah. lives. As we're wrapping up, we always ask, parenthood is? Messy. <laughs> That's a great it's, one. It's joyous and messy. Yes, yes. That is so, so great. Yeah. We're going to get it wrong a lot. But we're going to admit it, and then we're going to take our time and figure out how we would have better liked to have come to the answer and then come back and have, like, a nice, not-so-precious conversation where we're open and vulnerable and reflective that we can then take out into our communities to make some active change. This has been so wonderful, so informative, and we appreciate you and all the work that you are doing, Dr. Baxley. Thank you so much for coming on Katie's Crib. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Oh, I'm so glad. We are so lucky to have you. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you got out of it as much as I did. And I want to hear from you. Topics, guests, things you want to talk about. I am here. You can always find me at Katie's Crib at Shondaland.com. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. 